Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey man, you want an extra 60 grand? We hooked Christopher up in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. He left us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say, I listen to every podcast Conrad and his team put out. I've heard the ad numerous times and decided to give it a try. What is there to lose? I did lose something. Nearly 60K. I saved nearly $60,000 over the course of my loan. It was simple and a great experience. Thanks, Conrad. And a surprise staff member. Hmm. Who is that mystery man? $60,000. We made this fast and easy for Christopher. And it's easy to get a quick quote and see how much you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We routinely help our podcast listeners save sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Let's start saving money right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number six five zero eight four. Equal housing lender. SaveWithConrad.com. I love you to the moon and back. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Who does it remind you of? What do you think Mom would say if you said that to her? How about your wife? They might melt a little, right? Make sure she remembers how much she is loved every day with Steven Singer's exclusive moon and back diamond necklace for just $98. It features a moon and a heart with a secret message of love. I love you to the moon and back. Imagine the look on her face when she reads that hidden message on the back of the necklace. It's the perfect warm and fuzzy gift for your mom or the mother of your children. This mother's day, great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Buy real diamonds from a real jeweler you can trust. Take my advice and head to Steven Singer Jewelers. It's easy. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and check out Steven's beautiful selection of Mother's Day gifts, all at the perfect price with fast and free shipping. Steven's real experts are available to help online, by phone, or in his showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the creator of the Spinebuster, the founder of the Four Horsemen, Double A, the enforcer himself, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? It's springtime. Yes, it is. Baseball season. Oh, I like that. Braves fan. Gotta be. So things are looking up. Things are looking up. I'm just good to come on here with you and let's yuck it up for a while and, uh, Let's just add to that good feeling. I love springtime. 
I do too, except for, uh, some of my friends really suffer from allergies this time of year. It starts to kick my butt for about a week in September, but I don't have any issues in the springtime. How about you? Are you a big allergy guy? No, you know, Aaron had it for a while and, uh, occasionally I just get a little bit of the post nasal drip as uh, disgusting yeah. as that is, but don't suffer. I know people that do suffer with it and it's a pain in the ass. I bet back in the eighties, a lot of the boys back in the territory days, they had a post nasal drip. Let's talk about, uh, while we're here today, it's uh payback 2016. We're on the heels of WrestleMania 32. Uh, I had the good fortune of, uh, actually being at this show in Chicago. I'm pretty excited to, uh, to catch up with you about it here today, the raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania are always the biggest shows of the year for those television programs. And we had a ton of new NXT talents debut Apollo Cruz, Enzo and Cass and the Vaudevillains. Uh, the Vaudevillains is definitely an interesting experiment, if you will, as far as a character development, what do you think of their presentation? I mean, clearly it worked for NXT. Did you have reservations of how it would work on the main roster, how the fans would uh, perceive them on TV, or if even the office knew what to do with them? I'm going to give you my honest from my recollection. Um, I don't think they had enough TV time to do enough character stuff for people to understand what they were trying to do. Yeah, that's fair. That's my, that's my recollection. And, uh, you know, we're, I was trying to help them and asking them who that guy was and who they were and who they saw those characters as being and, and tried to help them. But we only got a couple of minutes. It's difficult. It's something that abstract. Uh, so that's what I think happened. The former Uha nation made a, uh, a name for himself in dragon gate had quite the independent reputation and then, uh, tore it up on NXT for a few years. And then when he's on the main roster, the world gets to meet Apollo Cruz. And uh, I think just now here in 2021, they're trying some different things with him, but I got to tell you, when I first saw Apollo Cruz, I thought, well, this is can't miss. What was your initial impression? Absolutely. Uh, number one, a gentleman, nice, nice kid. Number two, looks like a million dollars can do a lot of great stuff. Perfect employee, always on time, always smiling. But he did some, some athletically, some incredible stuff. Uh, but you can't, again, we're back to that deal. You have to let the audience know they're coming. That is one thing that, that we used to do as a business. We used to have some vignettes before a guy got there, and you were looking forward to seeing him and then put a rocket on his ass and man, let him go as far as he can go. The other, uh, talents that we've talked about before here on the show, Enzo and Cass, man, they're going to get over like nobody's business on the main roster. Uh, the, the promo work and just the whole presentation reminded a lot of people probably of the new age outlaws, just in terms of the big rap on their way to the ring. Uh, we know that, uh, Enzo is, uh, going to ultimately wind up leaving the company as does Cass. just this calendar year. Cass showed back up looking in better shape than ever on some independent States. Uh, what did you think of, uh, the initial presentation of Enzo and Cass and how quickly the audience took to their rap, so to speak? Well, it was different and it worked, you know, because it was such a, 
you know, a, a cadence laden promo. It, it involved and it invited the audience to chant along with them. And that's always a good thing for television. Um, you know, Kaz was a big guy. He was tall guy, you know, and they were like oil and water as far as their presentation. But when they did the promo, it, it all came together and it all jailed. Let's talk about some other news and notes as we head in here. Uh, we mentioned this briefly when we covered WrestleMania 32, Miz would beat Zack Ryder just one day after his big WrestleMania intercontinental title win. Uh, why do you think the WWE seemingly struggles to get baby faces over? Is it just fundamentally the, the folks who are making the decisions just, they just love heat. I don't, I don't understand. It feels like Zack Ryder had such a feel good moment. Why not stretch it out a little bit and give it some legs. But as you like to say, we cut his water off 24 hours later. Cause he kind of did it on his own. Hmm. Uh, I don't think he was the original guy that was supposed to win that match, but you know, he went out and he got over, he did the social media stuff like was instructed. He reached for the brass ring. He looked like a million bucks. He was always there working his ass off and the guy was a good worker. And, you know, on that platform to win a big match at WrestleMania, Almost everybody in that locker room was pulling for him. And he should have, you know, like, like we've talked about before, he should have at least had a month run. Give a guy at least a month of good TVs. Four good TVs. That's a lot of good TV these days. It is. And he never got a chance. It looked like a, a fluke. It looked like it should have never happened. And it put him right back in the position that he was in before he won. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but eventually we all have to give it up because we realize it's full of sugar and junk we probably shouldn't be eating. And if you're trying to cut down on carbs or sugar or unhealthy food, you're going to realize, I don't think I can eat anything anymore. What about this? Zero grams of sugar, 13 or 14 grams of protein, and only four net carbs in each serving. This can't be cereal, right? No, it's Magic Spoon. And Magic Spoon only has 140 calories a serving. Here's the deal. It's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, it's low-carb, and GMO-free. I've got exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors just this month for a limited time only. We're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, I don't know what is. This is the ultimate treat-yourself combo. So be sure to get some while you can. This is only available for a limited time. You can build your own box. The available flavors are there for you to build your own custom bundle. You can get cocoa or fruity or frosted or peanut butter, even cinnamon. And if you're listening from Canada, how about this magic spoon now ships there as well. If you're mixing cocoa and peanut butter, boy, it tastes just like a, as uh, Dave Silva would say, peanut butter cup. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it's super nutritious. It's delicious, but it's a super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or evenings or whatever. And here's the deal, man. You can get a great deal right now by going to magicspoon.com forward slash Arn and grab the new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or even a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. And be sure to use our promo code ARN at checkout to save $5 off your order. Now, the offer is good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. 
but only when you use our special code at checkout. By the way, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal, spoon.com forward slash ARN, and use the promo code ARN to get $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. Let's talk about one of the all-time greats here, Black Jack Mulligan. He uh, unfortunately passes away on April 7th at the uh, young age of just 73 years old. Of course, we know uh, Mike Rotunda uh, was, a, was a big star here for the company as IRS. We also know that Wyndham and Taylor, his grandsons, who we know as Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas, uh, they're all big stars with the company as well, and, and they're sent home. Uh, from, from the show, when they get the news that, Hey, blackjack's in trouble here. I'm sure you have some blackjack memories you can share with us. He used to be an old running mate of your old partner, uh, Rick flair. What good blackjack Mulligan stories do you have for us? Well, well, I just, you know, again, that that's a guy that's about a half. He's about a half of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, he, he came before me one generation, right? About, about a half a generation ahead of me. And when I first started with Ted Allen, who was training me and he was taking me, you know, to a couple of different places to, to, to just basically get a match, get some experience. And this was along the times that Blackjack had Knoxville. So that would have had to have been 81 ish. Right somewhere in there and Kevin Sullivan was there and, you know, they had a little territory set up and Ted got me booked there and, and we walked in and now I was still in wrestling fan stage. I'm wide eyed and I'm looking around. I'm going, Jesus Christ, that's Kevin Sullivan. Jesus, that's black Jack Mulligan. I'll never forget. He, uh, he had the biggest freaking forearms I had ever seen. It was one of those things that just floored me. It just stood out. Now he's a huge man. How I tall would Jack have been? Six, eight, nine? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've always thought he had to be greater than six seven, but yeah, man, he, he's, he's a big fella. Yeah, not a not a weightlifter type body. Just a like I said, big, just a big forearms, big legs, big body. Had that deep voice had that monster mustache. He was a gimmick, but you knew damn well when he walked the hall, you had a grown ass man coming down the hall. That's, that's my only experience with him. I just probably sat there with my jaw on the floor, just watching him walk around. You don't see guys that big every day. Let's run through a couple other names that, uh, unfortunately, uh, make the news. One of which is balls Mahoney. I know you never actually worked a match with balls, or at least I don't think you did, but no. certainly, uh, you were an agent when he was in for a cup of coffee with WWE CW, any interesting memories or stories of working with balls? Well, I know balls would tell a whopper <laughs> and never think twice. He actually told a couple of us that he killed a shark with a plastic knife. Oh. Yeah, it took a while to absorb that one. Yeah. But but swore by it. He had a couple of famous stories and I wish I could 
I wish I could uh, remember them that were just so far fetched. That's the one I'll never forget. It's ingrained into my, that's a great one to my system. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I asked a couple of guys, is this guy for real? Or is he just think I'm just stupid? No, he just, he'll tell a whopper. That's hilarious. That's one of them. Let's, uh, let's talk about Dr. Phil. He appears on an episode of raw to continue the Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair storyline. Do you have any interactions with Dr. <laughs> Phil? Is that something that Mrs. Aaron watches a lot around the house? No, I, I got a feeling if I'd have had a few words with Dr. Phil, he would have been on the couch. <laughs> you're, uh, uh, you're, that was one of those things like, you know, when they had the celebrities there, if it was somebody I was a huge fan of, you know, I would go thank them for being there and being on the show and all that and try to relax them a little bit. Cause that's an intimidating environment, you know, first time you're around it or, or even after the 10th time you've been around it, if you're not in the business or you are in the business, you got all these personalities walking around, all these monsters, all these big guys, loud, boisterous, the whole thing. And, uh, I didn't talk to him that day. Uh, you know, that was mostly the writers deal with that kind of stuff. When we have a celebrity come on the show. Let's talk about, uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Uh, they made quite the splash over in new Japan pro wrestling. They're going to debut on raw and attack the Usos. What'd you think of them as a tag team five years ago? I liked them immediately. I've always liked Gallows. He's just, he's one of those guys that is always smiling and, uh, you know, he, he's just good to go with whatever you want to do. And, uh, Carl Anderson, gimmick Anderson, as I call him, is a tremendous worker. And those guys, you know, make a really good team. And uh, I think the Japan time really helped them. It uh, it got them in a position to be used really well. When Gallows left WWE, he was probably not in the best position he's been in. But, you know, it's a funny thing. You go other places and make a name for yourself. You come back. It's almost like you were never there. Ta-da. And, uh, and they had a hell of a run over there. And I think they're still welcome anytime they want to go to Japan. So, you know, it, it, they created a uh, good spot for themselves over there. Some more sad news makes the, uh, the dirt sheets as it was China passes away April 20th, just 46 years old. You weren't a part of the company when she was rising to fame, but I'm curious and any autograph signings or things like that. Did you ever meet China or have an interaction with her? Never met her. Can you believe that? No, it feels like by now you would have met everybody. Yeah. Well, but again, you got to look at, you know, it's like sample Jake and I never been in the ring together till we got to AEW. When you stayed with the company for a long, long time, for years and years and years, like I did, whoever was in that crew, if that crew stayed there, that was the people that you knew. It's like I was, you know, with WWE for 14 months or whatever it was, which was not very long. And there were guys that, you know, that were there for years and years and years. And and we never kind of crossed paths. If you weren't in, uh, you know, the Crockett territory, that crew that we had, once it was established who your crew was, that was who was there pretty much for two and a half, three years. And that's the people you knew. And that's the people that, uh, you became acquainted with. Um, 
and some people to this day I haven't met. I never met China, but I tell you, I take Dean Malenko's word on a lot of stuff. Some stuff he's full of shit. Some most stuff where it's got involves people. I trust Dean, and he said what a lovely person China was. Just what a sweet, wonderful human being she was. That's all they got to tell me. That's all I need to know. And a lot of people, I don't know any, you know, anybody has a bad word to say about her. This episode is sponsored by blue chew guys. It's been a hell of a year. Now, personally, I feel like I've aged 12 years over the last 12 months. And if you're like me, you're feeling your age more than you used to, maybe especially in the bedroom. It's time to snap out of it. Spring is here and it's time to get sprung with blue chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Bluechew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Bluechew's sildenafil and tadalafil tablets are chewable. Bluechew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and safety information. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try bluechew free when you use our promo code ARN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Our promo code is ARN to receive your first month free. We thank bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. Let's talk about, uh, some good words that were said by your old pal, JJ Dillon. When you were inducted into the cauliflower alley club in Las Vegas, you received the Luthez award. And you said in your induction that you and Michael Hayes, who had previously gotten the award, uh, were given it enough, even though you spent a lifetime of putting people over and Michael Hayes moonwalked his way in. It's a great line. Uh, what did it mean to you to be at the cauliflower alley club and, and be honored by your peers? Well, you know, I made, made the joke, you know, Michael Hayes had won it previously moonwalked his way in the back door. I hadn't won a match that I, of recent memory for anybody. So I get the shooter award, Luthez award, my God. Uh, but I guess they knew what they're doing. I'll tell you this, the thing that it didn't shock me, but it pleasantly, you know, it was a pleasant surprise. What a first class production that is. Yeah. Everybody was so nice. Everybody was pretty much organized. Everybody was dressed up. Everybody looked great. It was like a, you know, black tie affair. And, uh, you know, you saw, I saw a lot of people that, that were in the business while I was in the business, but that, you know, once they got out, they went different ways and got into different businesses and, and all different things. You saw some people that you hadn't seen in a while. And, uh, you know, Kenny Patera, guys like that. And uh, it was just a really nice experience. I enjoyed the time in Vegas, a couple of days out there. And 
they were really nice to me. And it was a hell of an honor to be included in the cauliflower alley club in any capacity. Let's, uh, let's talk about the show. Uh, here we are. It's, uh, it's in Chicago, which I think is probably the real home of professional wrestling crowds here in America. It's May 1st, all state arena. Um, one of the biggest and most positive towns you can run a, a crowd in front of, or run a show in front of, uh, the, the show itself draws 13,250 fans, a really strong gate. And the tagline is given the beginning of a new era. And most of the publicity around the show is based on the Wyatt family. As we mentioned in our WrestleMania 32 episode, though, Luke Harper, unfortunately tore his ACL. Uh, so now. Bray Wyatt winds up getting hurt on the mania European tour. And it just feels like this is a, a sign of things to come for the Wyatt family. Just one piece of bad luck after another, you're on the poster. You're, you're supposed to be in a, in a prime spot. You were just working with the rock and two thirds of the, the group here are on the sidelines, just bad luck all around the injury bug. If you will. Terrible. It's almost like a a bad mojo bit him in the ass, you know, and with that gimmick being as creepy as it was, it's almost like it in a very real sense backfired on them somehow, but we know that's not the truth. Um, they were a tremendous unit, uh, those guys. And, uh, you know, they were just so talented and they got to a point where, you know, the shield had risen to, credible uh they became a credible three-man team and uh those matches were some of the most enjoyable that i've ever seen i got a i got a bunch of house show loops when those guys were uh, tearing it up and man it if you're going to put your product out there and say this is what we do for a living it would have been that match those six mans were incredible and just for those guys to get hurt at that particular time was terrible I want to mention the uh, tagline beginning of a new era is supposed to be based upon Shane McMahon coming off his loss at WrestleMania being put in charge. Uh, but of course we know that's not really going to go anywhere, but that doesn't hurt the show 75 or 76, rather 0.5% of the readers of the wrestling observer gave the show a thumbs up. Only 9% gave it a thumbs down 14.6% thumbs in the middle. So even though it's not exactly what we originally thought it might be, it worked out. And a lot of that has to do with some strong matches. Let's get to it. Dolph Ziggler pins Baron Corbin in seven minutes and 41 seconds. Of course, this to me feels a little bit like 50, 50 booking. We've talked about that a lot here in this era of WWE, but Baron Corbin just won the battle Royal at 32. And now in seven minutes and 41 seconds, Dolph gets the win here. Uh, it's two and a quarter stars and it's the dreaded schoolboy that gets the win. Uh, what'd you think? You know, you're, you got Dolph getting the win, but he's not hitting his finish. It's just a schoolboy, and Baron's fresh off of the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal seems start and stop hot and cold. What say you? It's pretty much the story of the company. You can, I mean, I wouldn't, you would never hear me fuss about Dolph Ziggler getting a win, but you don't get one against Baron Corbin which is his first pay-per-view after mania, which he won a huge, huge match. You got to build on that. I mean, that's your launching pad. The next time you see him in a single match, 
that's where you're going to find out. And with a guy like Dolph, Dolph wouldn't have had a problem putting the guy over. Right. It was just the right thing to do. And it really was. And to get and to beat him with a roll up, here's this big ass kicking pro football player, monster, big guy, moves good, athletic, his 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 offense is very solid. Beat him with a schoolboy. Example after example after example of what I'm talking about, Conrad. You gotta put a rocket on a guy's ass if it if you can't have a guy look good the first 12 weeks that he's on television, if you really have plans for him to be a star, then something's the matter with your thinking. I mean, we've got three hours on Monday, two hours on SmackDown. You can't figure out who your five or six guys you're going to build on those two shows and, and give them good positive TV for at least three months. Come on. Next up, we got Kalisto pinning Ryback in eight minutes and 32 seconds to retain the U S title. Uh, Kalisto went for a springboard twisting dive where he was too far on Ryback's left side. Ryback had to rush into position to catch him, which looked bad. Ryback missed a splash off the top rope and Kalisto picked up the win two and three quarter stars. According to the observer, um, the real news about this match is that before the event, it was already determined. This is going to be Ryback's last show. And I think he even wore like a, uh, a weightlifting belt to the ring that night that said, uh, pre-show mania or pre-show stopper. That's it. Something like that. Either way, Ryback had disagreements regarding his character and placement on certain cards. This is the end of him. What can you tell us about this match and just Ryback's frustration at the time? Was it just, he was burnt out. He was injured. He was hurting, not happy with what he's doing. Or was he just done with WWE, do you think? Well, for those that don't remember, because they probably weren't there, at the previous Mania, they were on the pre-show. And it was in the afternoon, yeah. the same match. So this would have been a return. Yeah. And there was nobody there to see it because of all the issues with getting in the arena. People weren't going to come that early, some of them, but they had problems getting actually through some of the gates, was my understanding. That's right. So, you know, you have that match, Ryback put him over right in the middle. Now you've got a different scenario in Chicago where your audience is going to give you something back. And the guy went out and they made their performance. The previous show at mania failed by comparison to this one, much better match, much better match. And on his way out, he wanted to have a good, you know, he wanted to have a good match and it didn't matter that Manny was half his size. Now, you know, the comment was made earlier, Manny was off course with one of his spinning dives, and it looked bad that Ryback had to adjust to catch him. Would it have looked a lot worse if it had let him drop on his head? <laughs> Just saying. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. I know what you're thinking. This guy has another podcast. Listen, I get it, but let me explain. For years, I've been asked if you could have a podcast with anyone in wrestling today, who would it be? And I've been consistent that one of those names was Jeff Jarrett. Now hear me out here. Jeff Jarrett is a third generation promoter. He grew up in the Memphis territory, broke in the business in 86, 
won the Intercontinental and walked out on Vince McMahon in 95. He jumped ship to start working with the Horsemen in 96 and then told the world what he really thought about Austin 316 in 98. He held up Vince McMahon for a ton of cash in 99 and jumped ship again to become world champion in 2000. And then on the final night of the Monday Night War, the only ever Raw Nitro simulcast, he was publicly fired by Vince McMahon in 2001. So without a job in wrestling, he decides to embrace his family heritage as a promoter and create jobs himself and started his own promotion in 02. And then a former WCW employee who was on his team committed fraud that nearly bankrupted both him and his father. So he found an angel investor of sorts who wound up being indicted on one of the largest financial schemes in American history. With both of those guys facing prison time, he met with a public relations firm in Nashville to figure out how to save face, only to find out the lady he was talking to had billionaire parents. And that's when things got really crazy. If Jeff Jarrett's life story were a movie script, nobody would believe it. Conrad, welcome to my world. Hear my story like you've never heard it before. Unfiltered and uncensored for the very first time. From Memphis to the WWF, WCW, TNA, and everywhere in between, nothing is off limits in my world. Subscribe today and don't miss My World with Jeff Jarrett, Tuesdays on Westwood One. So I think the right thing was done there. And I think, you know, and I used to talk to Ryback and I would try to convince him, you know, hey, man, you know, you got an incredible look. You're tailor-made for this company. Surely to God, at some point, they got to do the right thing. Now, when he first started as a babyface and he was doing the Feed Me More stuff, right? he got over. Yeah. And he was selling some merch and they were chanting. And again, it was one of those things that they put him out there. And I don't know if they had planned on him getting over to the degree that he did. If it, if it was a heated issue with some of the other baby faces, you know, a lot of things go behind closed doors up there that you never hear about or you never see, you just see the whole focus of a guy's career change and you never know why you suspect, but you never know for sure. And it seemed like the more he got over the worse it got for him and the worse it got used. It was just one of those things that I bet he's got a tremendous story to tell. It's just one that I'm not up to speed on, but I know that every time I worked with him, it wasn't a question of him going out working hard. That wasn't an issue. Up next is one of the things people remember most about this show. Uh, it's a no contest where well, the match was really just stopped. Aiden English and Simon Gotts, the VOD villains are going to take on Another tag team from NXT, Big Cass and Enzo Amore. They are super over here, but in the middle of the match, something bad happens and Enzo gets hurt. Um, I was there that night and it looked like a scary situation. It was clearly not part of the story. And when something like this happens, I'm just curious what you remember about this injury, what protocol was, was it handled right? just catch us up about what's going through your mind in the back. When you see, you know, a member of the brotherhood like this in a bad spot and we're live on pay-per-view. Um, I wasn't exactly watching it at the time I was doing something different, but what I was told, and I didn't even see the replay cause I was 
in some other room talking about some other match. But I think Enzo went to slide under the bottom rope and actually hung his neck. Went to get shot. He got went to get shot out of the ring and slide under the bottom. And I think he hooked the bottom rope or something. It really, really was a dangerous looking deal. And it looked really, really bad. Thank God it wasn't worse than what it was, but it looked like he was big time hurt. It knocked him goofy, which could have also had a neck injury the way it, it whiplashed him. So, but if you're knocked out, you don't know that you got a neck injury. You just, you know, you're goofy. And uh, they stopped the match right away, did exactly the right thing, got him out of there and, and uh, got some medical attention. When somebody gets hurt and you, you can pretty much see it in the ring. And you, if you go ask a guy, you can pretty much tell that he's out of it right away. I don't remember who the referee was, but he called for help and Dan Engler. Dan did the right thing right away. Uh, the, the story is Meltzer would describe it as it was not a botched baseball slide, although it looked like it, but Amore being pretty much out of it slid from the toss and hit the side of his head on the middle rope, which caused a whiplash effect. And then his head also hit the apron, knocking him out. He fell to the floor. Gotch went after him, but the referee jumped in and stopped him, called for an X. And eventually when realizing Amore was out, stopped the match. Amore was taken out motionless and on a stretcher. He did recover backstage, but was rushed to the hospital for tests. The diagnosis was that he suffered a severe concussion, but there was no neck damage as everyone feared based on how everything went down. This has got to be a scary moment. It's rare that you ever see a match stopped. Usually the protocol is if a guy can continue, you do here. The dude is legit unconscious, a really bad head injury. And we know way more about that now than we used to. And, and thankfully he didn't have some sort of permanent neck or back damage because when your head moves, like it's not supposed to, man, you could have permanent long-term severe injury. So when he was able to, uh, post some social media posts and selfies later that night with himself and Cass at the hospital, lots of fans were greatly relieved, but that's got to put some sort of a, a different vibe in the locker room for the rest of the show. Does it not? Well, it just makes it. You know, we get reminded occasionally every now and then, thank God, not all the time, a lot more now than back then, but, uh, we get reminded that we're not Superman, that we're not superhuman, that injuries do happen and bad injuries can happen at the drop of a hat when you least expect it. And, uh, thank God we've started to recognize it as a industry and take a little bit closer look when something bad happens, you know, I would like to think in every case, there's somebody, even if the other people, like you say, you know, we're used to just nutting up and going, Hey, I can get through it. Where are we at? What I need to do, you know, and you get through a match. Well, that's the wrong thing to do. If you're loopy or you're hurt and you know, you're hurt, that match is not worth the rest of your career. And we as an industry hopefully have taken a look at that. And you have doctors and EMTs and everybody at the arena so that they there's a quick turnaround if there is an injury to get them some medical care. And, and uh, in the old days, it was one way and different today. Thank God. Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match here. It's a barn burner. I'm curious to see your opinion though. 
these guys tore it up all over the independence for the better part of a decade. And now they've got a chance to do it on the big show, a WWE pay-per-view. It's the former Kevin Steen. Now Kevin Owens taking on the former El Generico. Now Sami Zayn. they get 14 minutes and 34 seconds of what Meltzer calls a hot match. He gave it four stars. Kevin Owens gets the win clean with a super kick and a power bomb. What'd you think? Were you a fan of what these guys were doing or being maybe a little more old school where you think, oh, they're doing too much. Well, possibly a little too much, but I, I am also the a guy that recognizes these guys have a history on, like you said, on the Indies where they must've worked probably a hundred times. And I'm saying only a hundred because you know, they just run on the weekends. You don't have guys that are working 300 days a year. And sometimes it's one day a weekend, but they had a rich history and you run across guys. If you're in the business long enough, certain guys, you have this incredible chemistry that everything you do works and everything you do clicks. And these guys have found that, uh, chemistry and they brought it to NXT got a lot of fanfare there. And when it got moved to the, to the main, uh, you know, to the big show, you know, they brought it with them there. Uh, a lot of the things that they were doing were a little too big, weren't being sold properly, but, but it was a good match. And the people of certainly were in tune to it. That's a smart crowd in Chicago. They're up to speed on everything. They know who everybody is. And, uh, you know, they were all over it. And I try to listen. I watch what's going on in the ring and I may have a fix here and there, or, Hey, I'd change this a little bit or my own opinion. But the one thing that you cannot deny, I never fuss too much if they're all standing and they're all screaming. And that's really the only barometer that you need to run the, run your own company and run your business. Listen to the people. They'll tell you what's working and what ain't. What if you could pay off all your credit card debt, a home equity line of credit, and knock eight years off of your loan? It sounds too good to be true, but Save with Conrad can do it for you. Seriously, that's an actual story from someone who listens to this podcast just like you. If you have a home equity line of credit, if you're in a 30-year loan, or you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Just ask Selby in North Carolina. We hooked them up. They left us a five-star review and had this to say, Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. We knocked eight years off our mortgage and paid off our home equity loan and credit cards. Would recommend them to everyone. And right now we can help more families than ever before. We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Seriously, the worst case scenario is... You spend 10 minutes and we give you the peace of mind that you've got the best deal for your family. That's what my family wants to do for you right now over at SaveWithConrad.com. But what if we could knock eight years off your loan? Think about that. You know, to the penny, what your house payment is now multiply it by 12 payments a year times eight years. That's our gargantuan sum of money. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how you can do it right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Well, they loved it here. And uh, somebody that they hate is coming up next. It's The Miz 
He's still got a ton of heat after all these years, and he's going to pin Cesaro to retain his intercontinental title, 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, this is still the era where people were way behind Cesaro. And at this point they have been for a few years, uh, in the ring, Cesaro gave Miz a 15 rep giant swing and Miz, uh, gets in the cross face. Eventually Owens and Zane are fighting on the apron. Referee John Cone is yelling at them and missed that the Miz was actually tapping. Cesaro then let go and knocked Zane and Owens off the apron. And of course, just like in the first match, Miz schoolboyed him for the pin. After the match, Cesaro lays out Miz with the neutralizer. Owens hits a super kick on Cesaro. Owens powerbombs Zane once again. He goes to powerbomb Miz, but Maurice pulls Miz out of the ring to safety. And then Owens grabs the belt and poses with it. Three and a quarter stars. Really weird deal here where. If you're a longtime Cesaro fan, like I am, you're thinking, oh man, this might be it. They're going to go with him, but it turns into an opportunity to not only pin him with a schoolboy, but showcase the match. We just saw with Owens grabbing the belt and posing with it. Uh, after all this time, can you give us any insight as to who did Cesaro piss off? It doesn't feel like the office was ever sold on him and I can't put my finger on why. I mean, you have so many fans bringing signs and all that to the crowd that says, Cesaro section. There's a very vocal outpouring online. Uh, he had a, quite a great reputation on the independence coming in. It seems like he's beloved in the locker room. What's he doing wrong? What's he missing? Why won't they go with him? Nothing. I'm a huge Cesaro fan. Always have been. <clears throat> I got a feeling there was something, you know, he speaks five languages but I got a feeling there was something to do with this promo that, that wasn't appreciated, whether it was the tone of his voice is, you know, he, he speaks with a little bit of a, an accent, not sure what it is, but you know, the guy does some superhuman stuff and uh, just unbelievable stuff. But what you ended up doing here when this dust cleared other than, you know, them having the match and Cesaro getting over during the match at the end of the day, what did you have standing there? You had Kevin Owens who was a kick-ass baby face. Now, right. Another chance. So I remember pretty clearly they were cheering for Owens, right? At the very, very end. Yeah. When he dropped everybody. So another chance you had to make a kick-ass baby face. We've talked about before his first match with John Cena. The, the crowd was 90% behind the guy. You should have changed directions with him the next week on TV. This was another chance that you saw what the audience was buying. They really shouldn't have been involved in anything to do with this match. I mean, because there was no common bond there. There was no anything other than Owens just took a seat at the announce table and stayed there for the next match which brought Sammy down and got them involved after the finish, I believe is the way it went down. Correct. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Well, they had no, nothing to do with this. It was just, it was just throwing aftermath out there where you really didn't need it. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to put Miz over, let Miz beat Cesaro with a freaking his finish or two of his finishes. Don't do it with a roll up. The guy picked up Kali and giant swung him. You think Miz is going to hold Cesaro down with a roll up? Think about that for a minute. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't put my finger on it. You know, I know you said, well, there's a promo, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that's always been a requirement, you know, to, to get it. It's big... not me saying that right. I'm saying, I'm thinking I'm getting in some side, somebody's head. There was a famous Austin. Uh, oh yeah. The sit down interview. I know you're talking sit about down it. with the boss yep. and he, he basically just said Cesaro, which he's the only one that saw it this way. I think was not connecting with the audience. Must not have been listening because brother, when he did some of those feats of strength, he was connecting with the audience. The boys were even gathering around the monitor, watching stuff. What does that tell you? Yeah. I mean, and here's the other thing that I found weird. And I know you may have some unique insight on it, which is why I'm glad we're discussing it. Isn't he like lifting partners with John Cena? I mean, if John Cena can't get Vince's ear, who can? Um, I didn't know they were lifting partners. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, it's just start and stop with him. You know, they put him with Seamus. They turned him heel and they got, cause I know I had a lot of their matches. Yeah. They got beat every week. Yeah. If you went back and did a total, it would be some ridiculous. I mean, it was some ridiculous, uh, 10 out of 10 out of 12 weeks. They got beat on TV. I don't And they like Seamus. So uh, who knows? I can't answer you on the question on this yeah. one, my friend. I wish I had, I wish I had the answer so I could have fixed it. But the guy just, I mean, when you are in the ring and a guy's on the floor, like big E size yeah, and you stand on the bottom rope and reach all the way over to the floor and hook a guy and from that bent over position, you vertical suplex him back in the ring. That's special, right? That's superhuman shit, you know, and a lot of guys very, very strong in the business. Couldn't have pulled that off. Great. You know, great big guys that are credible weightlifters. That's just a different kind of strength. And, uh, he had it. Next up a match that we're probably more likely to see in AEW these days. Dean Ambrose is going to pin Chris Jericho in 18 minutes and 26 seconds. Meltzer would say strong back and forth action here. Jericho used an insecurity and a double arm backbreaker for near falls. Uh, Jericho went for a Cubrata, but Ambrose got his knees up. Ambrose followed with a series of knees before hitting dirty deeds for the pin three and three quarter stars. It's interesting to me that it feels like they never really committed to Dean Ambrose. Even when they gave him the title, it just felt like he wasn't the focus. Uh, he's gotten an opportunity to be that a little more in AEW, but Jericho and he had a pretty good match here. As I said, Meltzer gave it three and three quarter stars. What'd you think of their performance here? I thought it was excellent too. And, and, you know, Chris had at this point in time had developed a cult following. He would kind of pop in, pop out. He'd go on tour with his band and stuff. And when he would come back, he would kind of reinvent himself. And uh, he had just came off of a huge win over AJ Styles at Mania. That's pretty big. That is pretty big. Uh, and they worked each other's strengths, you know, and styles. Stylistically, they were di- – you know, it's two different guys, but they worked each shine each other up. And it was one of those rare matches on a pay-per-view that you really couldn't pick a winner. You couldn't just go, oh, he's going to win or he's going to win. 
and just be, be, you know, bet your home on it. It was one of those, it was kind of a toss up and that makes it really cool when it's not so predictable and it's fun to watch. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. And I think the right guy went over Ambrose needed to win that night. Didn't hurt Jericho. That's for sure. No, Jericho's a made man by this point. Yeah. Uh, next up some ladies who were still making their name. Charlotte is going to pin Natalia in 13 minutes and three seconds to retain her women's title. Uh, Meltzer would say Natalia got a big pop coming out, coming on her own, coming out, even though Bret Hart came out. Natalia was really strong in this match. Charlotte used the figure four and Natalia screamed that she would never quit. She then reversed the figure four, but Charlotte made the ropes. Charlotte then put her in the sharpshooter and Robinson rang the bell. Robinson got out of there. Brett pinch punched Rick and put him in the sharpshooter and Natalia put Charlotte in the sharpshooter for the easy pop to get the fans from a finish that would leave them flat. So the idea here, I guess is we're doing a screw job finish again for the 9,000th time. And Brett is going to look for revenge, knock out Rick flair. And then we get dual sharpshooters. I mean, it is a cool visual, I suppose of having the double sharpshooters, but my God, that was 1997. This is 2016. It's been 19 years. What the fuck are we doing? Uh, you tell me the reaction in the crowd. You were there flat. Was it confusion? Yeah. Immediately. You know, everybody don't know what the Montreal screw job is. Well, and nobody's got it at the top of mind, unless you're a WWE writer, I guess in 2016, it's been 20 years. Like. I, I could see how, if there was a bigger storyline and Natalia really was leaving to go to AEW or something, but that's not even a thing. Like, what are we doing? It just, I, it feels like, Hey, if Brett's here, we got to do something with the screw job. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like he did a lot more than get screwed. Right. What is the theme of the company starting that night? The oh. new something. What is oh, yeah, it? Beginning of a new era beginning of a new era. So we go back 20 years and have a 20 year old finish. Number one, they didn't need Rick or Brad out there at all. They could have had a great match without him. It was unnecessary garnish. I don't know why, you know, someone feels that Charlotte can't get over or Natty can't go out there with all the experience she's got and tear the joint down on their own merits. Cause that's what they did before this screwed up finish. And to have a referee do something that squirrely when you've got you've got Steph and uh, and Shane here in just a little bit restart some matches, each one of them, right? Yeah, we'll get to it in the main event. But so why would they let that stand? Who authorized Charles to call for the bell? Why wouldn't they have restarted that match, which is a pretty important match? You know, it just, it was in the course of a show, it's like, okay, well, this over here kind of made sense, but ain't this the same thing? And why do you, why do you restart it there? It just, from my recollection, it was confusion from the audience that didn't know about the screw job. And it just took the shine off of Charlotte winning the match. She could have just won the match with her finish. Yeah. We're creating stars here, but when you throw all this stuff on top of it and layer it with all this syrupy stuff and cause you're trying to protect everybody, somebody got to win. Somebody got to lose people of Chicago know that it's a great sports city. 
they would have accepted Charlotte winning that match after a hard fought match because the girls were kicking ass. They're, they were kicking in at this time. It would become a different product. And Natty and, and Charlotte, I had on a lot of house show loops. They tore the joint down. You, you just didn't need something like that. My opinion. Well, here's the thing too. I understand how sometimes if you have performers that, that aren't seasoned or maybe a little green and, and aren't really comfortable in their own skin yet, you have to have some garnish out there. Some guy guy, if you will, to keep the crowd engaged. That's not the case with these two, even five years ago. Natty's one of the best women in the company. And obviously you see something on Charlotte, you've made her the champ at WrestleMania. And I, I don't know. It just feels like you could have just cut them loose here. This was unnecessary. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. You got me. It's a mystery. It's one of those especially when when you see how the rest of the show plays out. This will really loom large how that was allowed to just stand. Based on what? Next up, something kind of interesting. Vince McMahon comes out and remember, we're in Chicago. So he's met with a super loud CM Punk chant. He starts his promo and their chant gets even louder. And then he stops and actually asks the crowd, how long can you go with this? And then they actually stop pretty quickly. Vince made fun of the crowd when they stopped, which could have gotten them to start back. But in fact, it didn't. And Stephanie said she would rather be a leader who was feared and respected than felt sorry for. And she claimed that under the leadership of the authority, they just had the biggest WrestleMania in history. The divas revolution became the women's revolution, et cetera, et cetera. And she said that Shane left us for seven years and only got back in by blackmailing and doesn't respect the brand that Vince McMahon created. She told Vince that Shane stabbed him in the back and spit in his face. And she can't see someone that lacking in intelligence and integrity running raw. So of course, Shane comes out, fans are chanting for him. And we get a whole big hubaloo here. And Vince eventually says enough of that crap. And Vince said, Stephanie's made some good points and Shane has the likability thing going, but business isn't run based on popularity. And Vince ends up saying both will run raw. So this feels like a television segment, but it's on a pay-per-view. But I think the most memorable thing of the segment is the way Vince got a CM Punk chant and handled it. What'd you think? No, I'm going to trump you on that. You know, the most significant part of that promo. What was it? His quote was, I don't listen to anybody except me. Wow. Now you think about all the things we've discussed creatively getting shot down and things getting changed, all that stuff that they should post on top of the Titan Tron. (laughs) because that is company policy. I don't listen to anyone, but me. And that's, that is the most truthful statement ever made. It's interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Proves my point. Next up, we got the main event. It's uh, Roman reigns in there with AJ styles. Roman's our new champion, fresh off his big win at WrestleMania. AJ is one of the hottest properties in the company, but he's fresh off of a loss to Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. 
They get plenty of time, 22 minutes and 35 seconds. Meltzer would say the work here was really good. And he gave it three and three quarter stars in the end rain spears him and gets the pin. What'd you think? This is sort of AJ styles coming out party. His first pay-per-view main event. And he's against the chosen one in WWE. Do you like it? Well, I thought the match was incredible as you can imagine. But if you go back a little further than mania, AJ Styles came out of the curtain for the Royal Rumble. The place went ape shit. Yes, they did. Remember, I had a scenario where he would win the Rumble. I recall. And you get him to WrestleMania, and he won the championship. Yep. And he could have won that from Hunter. Then you have Roman assume the heel role in this whole thing. You know, that was one of those scenarios. Uh, these guys tore the joint down, but AJ was a baby face Roman. They were chanting for as being, they didn't like him. They were booing him. They were wanting him. They've always wanted Roman to be who he is. I think wrestling fans don't want him talking. They want him kicking ass. They want him to be a badass heel. They don't like him being in that. I'll do the right thing. I'm going to spear everybody on the, in the hill locker room type deal. In my, in my mind, AJ was probably as much a baby face and as over as Roman. Have you finally made the decision? You know, that one decision that you've been on the fence about. Do I become a member of ad free shows? Do I take the plunge and become part of the coolest, most badass wrestling community out there? My friends, the answer is yes, yes, yes. And what cool hook do I have to tell you about this week, you ask? Well, if you were living under a rock, then you need to know that Conrad's team just got bigger. Another WWE Hall of Famer is now part of the family. Who, you might ask? Well, that's T. That's right. Jeff Jarrett is in the fold. And his new weekly podcast makes its debut worldwide on Tuesday, May 4th, My World with Jeff Jarrett. But maybe you're like me and you have no patience and want to hear it early and ad-free. Well, then ad-free shows is the place for you. Jeff and Conrad already hosted a one-hour interactive event for all members of ad-free shows, no matter their membership level. And the best part? Jeff announced he will be back for more virtual events and Q&A sessions going forward. So don't be a slap nuts. Go to adfreeshows.com and sign up today and join the wrestling movement that is lighting the world on fire. Again, that's adfreeshows.com. Yeah, and I think that's kind of hard to argue, especially the way they position this match. I mean, the story is... They're going to do a, a count out and 11 minutes and 54 seconds. Shane comes out to restart the match, but this time with no count outs, uh, he hits the Pele kick and a 450, but reigns gets his knees up and nearly pins styles styles comes back and jumps off the top rope, but reigns punches him. It's supposed to be a low blow, but reigns actually punched him in the gut, but AJ selling it like a low blow. And they call for a DQ just two minutes and 15 seconds later. So this brings Stephanie out who restarts it. And now it's a no DQ, no count out match. So Reigns hits a couple of Superman punches and that brings 
Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows out. They pull AJ out of the ring so he can't get pinned. And then they attack Roman. They put the boots to him. And then Gallows put Reigns on his shoulder while Anderson hit a running kick, the boot of doom, if you will. And they all leave. And the idea here is AJ never saw these guys interfere. So then AJ hits the springboard forearm. But even after all that, Reigns gets his foot on the ropes. So that brings the Usos out. Styles climbs to the top rope, but Reigns shoves him off and he lands on Gallows, Anderson, and the Usos. And then Reigns does a big running dive over the top onto everyone. AJ comes back with another springboard forearm, this time off the barricade. He threw Styles in and hit the springboard 450, but Reigns kicked out. And then he hits the Styles Clash. Reigns or sets it up rather, and Reigns backdrops out of it, flipping Styles over the top rope. He goes for the Superman punch, but AJ snaps his neck on the top rope. He gets in, but Reigns spears him and gets the pin. So we're trying to go with AJ, I guess, but we're really heavy on TV storyline on a pay-per-view. And I realize it's the network era, so it's not really a pay-per-view. We're not really spending 30 or $40, but Shane involved and Stephanie involved and the Usos involved and the good brothers involved. It's just too much Gaga for me. Why not just let the guys go tear it up? Well, each one of those false finishes felt like AJ was going over. You could sense it in the audience. They were, they kept putting these layers and layers and layers. My question is going back. If, if these newly, if these bosses, all the McMahons are there and they've got all this power and all this stroke and they're building the women's division. Now they want to make that equal to the men's. Why wouldn't somebody have went out and restarted that match? When there was a bell that apparently came from the referee's decision, but there was no tap out. See what I, see where I'm going with that? Why, why were all these things done for the last match and not done for that match before we skip ahead? Does that make sense? Yeah. It really, when you look at it in its entirety, you went, Jesus Christ, I, I don't get it. But in this particular match, you know, when you got a lot of bells and whistles like that, and they're at least leading you to what you think is going to be the outcome. And I think a lot of people in that Chicago crowd, the way that thing was building, AJ was going to pull it off because he kept pulling spectacular stuff out of his hat all the way till the very end. Uh, and I think the match paid off as far as being a main event and having some bells and whistles. You probably shouldn't have had any involvement in any of the other matches for this one to matter and to make sense. Save it for the end, all the guy guy. You didn't need Rick and Brett getting involved in the match. And, you know, I'm sure scattered throughout the match, even Maurice getting involved in the, the Miz's match. You know, if you're going to do it all on the end, don't do it before that. Uh, Owens and Sammy got involved on the tail end of, of the uh, Cesaro match and, and Miz for what? It's a little weird. You know, it feels like, uh, it just made the pay-per-view less than it just sort of cheapened it for me, but still it was a critical success. As we said, it was overwhelmingly thumbs up a lot of good action. Even if we don't necessarily love the finishes, what say you thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Well, I value your opinion. I'll ask you one last question. If they did just have it be a match, 
have a straight finish. Roman retains. I don't think you would have put AJ over at that point. Do you think that that's better just doing it that way? Or do you think you've heard AJ now three shows in a row? He was not successful. I think there's enough, um, Gaga that this didn't really hurt him, but I don't know that it helped anybody either, which makes me think what's the point. Well, you're a fan. And if you didn't walk away from there going, man, I didn't know what the hell, who was going to win that to the very end. If, if you weren't concerned in that story, if that wasn't what you had in your mind, then it didn't work. And I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. I don't have an opinion on whether it worked or not. I'm just saying I can see what the partially what the thought process was. Make it as exciting with the false finishes, restart it a couple times, uh, and make it look like it really was going to be a new day, but it turned out to not be. So as far as you, thumbs up, thumbs down? I think overall, overall show. Yeah. And and I'm giving the crowd four stars as always. They make everything outstanding. I thought it was a good show overall. Um this is Henry Lee says, "What do you think Vince McMahon thought about AJ Styles after being with the company for 3 months? We know eventually they're going to go with him and make him the the guy. But what do you think his reservations were? Was there the quote unquote TNA stink on him. Was he not sold on him because of his age or his height or his style, or was he all in? And he was just, you know, go getting them there, warming him he up. Didn't, he didn't come through the WWE system. Right. He's not a product of WWE. He's a star. that was a star everywhere else in the world that he went. And, uh, I think all of those questions were still in place. If he would have walked in the door and he would have looked like Braun Strowman, but he could work like AJ, don't you think he'd have got the full Brock Lesnar push? Oh, of course. So it is about what does he weigh? His height. Oh, he came from that other show. All those things that that you put on a guy that don't matter. Ain't one soul in the world today that would, if you asked him, Hey, what do you think about AJ styles? You think any wrestling fan or anybody that was going to watch the show or buy a ticket goes, Hey, how tall is he? Right. They go, Jesus Christ. He's special. Of course he is. Well, and this was a special show. We got to talk about uh, all things WWE five years ago. And we're wrapping things up here on any other. Uh, topics you want to touch on or anything you want to hit on regarding payback 2016 before we wind her down? No, just, just the fact that it was less than a month after WrestleMania. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We also had two shows. I think extreme rules was at the end of the month. Yeah. It was a loaded month. So you log jam three pay-per-views in a friggin' month, a little over a month, a little under a month, whatever it was. Do you realize how hard it is to shoot an angle build a match and blow a match off in three weeks. That's a lot. And then then start over again. That's a lot. And you're throwing away a lot of matchups and you're asking people to invest in three 
three big pay-per-view shows all in one month. It's a bunch. It's more is not always less. And when you leave them wanting to see less, you failed. Well, we hope we haven't failed you. We're looking forward to being back next week. Every other week, we let you guys have the keys to the show. It's called hashtag ask Arn. If you've got a question for next week, you can ask it right now on Twitter. It's at the Arn show and be sure to use that hashtag ask Arn. coming up in two weeks. We'll be back with over the limit 2011, uh, which went down from Seattle, Washington, only 7,500 fans in the arena to see this one on top. It's John Cena and the Miz in an, I quit match. We've also got Jerry Lawler wrestling Michael Cole in a kiss my foot match where if Michael Cole wins, Jerry Lawler has to surrender his hall of fame ring to him and personally induct him in the hall of fame. We also get singles action for the world heavyweight championship with Randy Orton and Christian. I think Randy Orton says that's some of the best work he ever did of his career. And he credits a lot of it. Most of it. In fact, Christian, we also have a singles match for the divas championship with Kelly Kelly challenging Brie Bella. How about this for a tag match? We've got big show and Kane on one side and the new Nexus, which is CM Punk and Mason Ryan. That was short-lived. We'll have Sin Cara wrestling Chavo Guerrero, Ezekiel Jackson wrestling Wade Barrett for the intercontinental title and our truth working with Ray Mysterio and in a pre-show match, some guys named Daniel Bryan and drew McIntyre. I wonder whatever happened to them. It's hard to imagine that was 10 years ago, Aaron. I'm looking forward to that. And it's just in two weeks. Daniel Brown will never get over. I'm not sure about that. Drew McIntyre guy either. I don't, I don't think he's WrestleMania material. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I guess, I guess we will. <laughs> we'll be back next week with hashtag ask Arn anything right here on Arn. I love you to the moon and back. Sounds familiar. Doesn't it? Who does it remind you of? What do you think mom would say? If you said that to her, how about your wife? They might melt a little, right? Make sure she remembers how much she is loved every day with Steven Singer's exclusive moon and back diamond necklace for just $98. It features a moon and a heart with a secret message of love. I love you to the moon and back. Imagine the look on her face when she reads that hidden message on the back of the necklace. It's the perfect warm and fuzzy gift for your mom or the mother of your children. This mother's day, great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Buy real diamonds from a real jeweler you can trust. Take my advice and head to Steven Singer Jewelers. It's easy. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and check out Steven's beautiful selection of Mother's Day gifts, all at the perfect price with fast and free shipping. Steven's real experts are available to help online, by phone, or in his showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.